What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers them for real. It's like when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious or not. Yes, we deserve this win, man. Fox Force 5, flying high in both teams. Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton. Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, about a decade and a half, then being the first team to actually get to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento. Like, that's, that's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. We got what's going to be a what, regular guest. Is guest even the right word at this point? We got Bryant West of the King's Herald on here. What's going on, Bryant? How you doing, man? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Glad to have shout you out on, to a, Shout out to uh, your regular co-host, uh, Rich Ivanowski. Um, take a big step in life. Um, but clearly making a good decision for him and his family. So proud of him and totally understand why uh, this would be a busy time for him to take a step away from uh, basketball. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, Noah, don't don't fret, listeners. He'll be back at some point uh, just kind of getting settled with new things going on. Um, but the Kings do not wait for Rich, sadly. Um, and man, I, we have a Q and A that we're going to dive into today, but we're going to start with talking about, uh, the embarrassing performance that we saw in Golden State from Sacramento, um, 137, holy reading that number again, 137 points for the Golden State Warriors to 106 for Sacramento, um, game fell over very early. Too. It was a 17-point difference in the first quarter, 37 for Golden State and 20 for Sacramento. Uh, yeah, at halftime, I uh, tweeted out, I, I actually could not find a positive from this game. I, I have uh, two. Um, that closing lineup of uh, Kyle Guy, Jamias Ramsey, Justin James, Robert Woodard, and Shezzy Metu was pretty fun. That, yep. that was enjoyable, last four minutes of the game. Um, Darren Fox was good. but. Beyond that, I agree with you. That's the end of my optimism. Yeah, there um, were lots of free throws. <laughs> Terrible defense. No offense. Horrible defense. Yeah. That clearly, I mean, it was a combination of them just looking lost and 
I mean, I know that Darren Fox came out after the game and specifically said, you know, we, we're not dealing with anything in the locker room right now. That's not why they, we lost this game. But they look pretty shell-shocked to me. Yeah, um, they definitely did. And, yeah, I mean, good for Fox to come out and say that, you know, as he kind of should. Um, I, I think the quote was a little – you might have censored it a little bit here. Um, and I totally got to pull up the uh, – I got to pull up the exact one here that Jason Jones has on his Twitter because it was just a hilarious quote from Fox. Um, give me one second here. I don't think anybody's out there playing basketball worried about two tweets. And if you are, this ain't what you should be doing because motherfucker's going to tweet you every day of your life while you're playing in this league. Quote from De'Aaron Fox. Great. Great quote. I guess that's the yeah. best thing to come from the game, to be honest. Yeah, fantastic quote. I mean, how – easy would this have whole storyline changed if Marvin Bagley had just said that three nights ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, definitely so, did not shut that down great when line. he had the chance. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't have that much that I really want to say about this game. Um, there were a lot of turnovers. Like, it, it, it wasn't – this doesn't feel like an outlier after what we saw in um, – the previous game that I'm actually drawing a blank who was even against it was that Rockets game. Um, they played back-to-back their worst halves of the season, and I, I know we're only seven games in, and they started really hot. Um, so I, I guess that's kind of what we can do with this is which Kings do you feel is real? You know, like wh- which one are, are you – I asked you at the end of last episode if they lose to Golden State, what would the panic meter be? Um and you kind of dodged my question a little bit. Well, they did more than lose to Golden State. Um, so, I don't know. Which one do you feel is more representative of the Kings this year? Is it too early to tell? Well, I think it's too early to tell, but I'm definitely significantly more pessimistic than I was uh, a week ago. Um, before anybody gets on us for being too overly pessimistic about two bad games, I know you're out there. Um I'll say this. If you told us a month ago the Kings would be 3-4 and four with good wins over the Suns and Nuggets, we'd be thrilled. Like, clearly. But this is how Kings basketball works. Yeah. <laughs> they just played their worst six quarters of the season all in a row. They were dead in the water against the Warriors five minutes in the game. You, you can't use the record to question how we're suddenly pessimistic again. We've seen the Kings have a start to the season all hot and crash back to earth really quickly. It's happened, I think, two of the last five years. They've had a nice, decent start to the season where we kind of trick ourselves into thinking, is this an okay team? we got to have a longer stretch than five competent, competitive games before we can truly say this team has earned optimism. Um, You know, all I asked for, even in my most optimistic moments a week ago, was for this team to continue being competitive. Um, they weren't in the last two games. If that changes, then I'll probably be slightly more optimistic about this team, who I don't think is a playoff team. I've never really thought they were going to compete for a playoff, even when they were 3-2. and two. So yeah. I'm not optimistic about this team. I think that this is still a rebuilding year where they need to figure a lot out, um, and I don't think anything has changed. Yeah, Um Excuse me, and yeah, I mean, it's not like it was a good team they were going up against. I believe Golden State had the worst uh, defensive rating going into the game. Sacramento couldn't put up points, and their offensive uh, starting five, the offense of the starting five was actually really impressive going leading up to this game um, statistically and 
Yeah, it, it just it didn't go great. I, I really don't want to spend too much time on this game. We have Q&A questions that will lead to us talking about some of the individual players' um, performances. Um, the one other thing that came out, I think it was earlier today, actually, was this Sam Amick piece that was an interview with Bogdan Bogdanovich kind of talking about the um, entire situation that went on this offseason with the botched Milwaukee-Dante um, DiVincenzo trade between Sacramento and Milwaukee that ended up falling through because it was agreed upon a couple of days before conversations were supposed to be happening. And correct me if, I, if I'm wrong on any of this, but pretty much the whole piece was Bogey saying, I didn't know what was happening. I found out about it on Twitter. Um, and then kind of everything fell through. Sacramento was telling me that they probably wanted to bring me back. Um, and then I just didn't really hear anything. He mentions a conversation he had with um, with Dumars and Vivek post Vlade, which I'm assuming is also pre McNair, um, and yeah, he he just he I, I guess he felt a little well, what was the word he used betrayed 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 um, yeah very clever. If, if anybody hasn't read the interview, I encourage you to do so. Sam Amick at the Athletic is is one of the best. Um, you know, for all that time that. Kings fans spent lamenting how Milwaukee could have possibly messed this trade up. Bogey spent all of that interview just discussing how he felt betrayed by the lack of communication from Sacramento's front office. Um, like he said, he said the only communication he had was with Dumars and Vivek, which, if true, that's pretty disappointing that Monty McNair didn't have a conversation with his major free agent. Um, but some of the article just doesn't make any sense. Um, Bogey said his agent told him, and I quote, directly from the article here, this can't be done. They, meaning the Kings, screwed up. They can't trade a restricted free agent before free agency starts. This was a new trade. This wasn't just a trade. We all knew this was a sign-in trade. This was called a sign-in trade from the beginning. So how did a sign-in trade, the emphasis on the sign part, which clearly had to have some sort of baseline contract value for Bogey, what he'd signed in order to figure out what pieces Sacramento would get back, how did that get slipped by Bogey's agent? That doesn't make any sense. Like, I, yeah. I can – if Bogey says he didn't talk to Monty McNair, all right, sure, your agent sure did. There's no chance. Um, we know somebody messed up on the timing of this trade. Like, maybe Milwaukee got a little trigger happy after they got the Drew Holiday trade in and really wanted to drive home that they – made all these moves to keep Giannis and get him to sign that dotted line so they could win for agency early. I mean, that's always been the most logical thing to me, but is somebody messed up the timing of this and somebody else is clearly messing up the communication aspect of it. Um, but, you know, in the end, Bogey got what he wanted. He said in the article that he, when he signed the Hawks offer, he wanted away from Sacramento. So good for him, I guess. I mean, you know, he's playing all right off the bench for a decent Hawks team. Um I didn't realize he was coming off the bench, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, he started one of the seven games, I think. Yeah. Um, I was ready to cheer for Bogey with the Bucs, um, and I'll cheer for him in Atlanta because while he was here, he was a professional. Uh, and it's disappointing that he feels that uh, the Kings betrayed him with a lack of communication here. But, I mean, in the end, he got what he wanted. He got a lot of money to for it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard, like you said, I if Bogey knew about this deal, there's zero reason he would admit it. 
is what I'm going to say. You know, like there's no reason that Bogey would come out and say, yes, I was having conversations before I was allowed to, to the media. Like there's no reason um, that he or his agent would say that. And, you know, it's funny, Amick starts the piece with pretty much like, do you swear that you're telling the truth in everything? Um, and it's like, okay, I guess. Um, so I don't know. That that That's what I'll say on that. Like, I, I don't think Bogey would have had any reason to admit that he did have those conversations about him and his agent agreeing to some dollar figure to make this sign and trade deal happen. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, there wasn't too much insight to it. Like, I guess he's friends with the Gnosis, which I didn't realize. He's friends with the um, the quieter Antetokounmpo brother, I guess. Um but, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what I have on that piece. Do you feel like there were other notable aspects to it? Not to the piece, no. Um, I do want to get your take on something. Um, I keep seeing people say, well, it's good that Sacramento didn't match his contract because Halliburton is filling all those minutes and Bogey would have just gotten his way in playing time. Um, I don't buy that. Like, it's certainly true to an extent that Bogey would have gotten – a decent chunk of minutes that would other go to, otherwise go to Halliburton. Um, but it's not like Halliburton wouldn't have gotten minutes. He could have gotten almost all of Corey Joseph's minutes 10 games into the season when it was clear how important he was. Uh, and, and Bogey's not a guy who has to play the shooting guard or point guard position. He played wing plenty of times last year. Um, and I would say right now I don't exactly love the Kings' wing depth. I know Glenn Robinson, the third's getting all those minutes. I mean, I'm pretty sure that between Corey Joseph and Glenn Robinson, you could have found enough minutes to have Bogey on here. Certainly, they would have been a more of a log jam. But, I mean, minutes for Halliburton would have been there. He's too good to keep off the floor. Uh, and the Kings would have had more trade value on the roster. Um, so, yeah. even if his playing time wasn't what it is now, the very last player on the Kings that I worry about needing massive playing time to develop is the 20-year-old who always looks a few steps ahead of his competition. Like, it, Right. Letting Bogey walk for nothing was still a mistake in my book for talent acquisition. So, Yeah, no, I'm with you. And, I mean, how many three-guard lineups do we see this year where they're rolling out Fox, Halliburton, and Corey Joseph? And you're going to yeah. tell me, like, Halliburton would have somehow fit in there. And, you know, we're going to get to this uh, Q&A portion, but and it's obvious even outside of the people that are asking, like, there's a need for another playmaker. And Bogey fits that, you know? Like, he, he's not a primary playmaker. You wouldn't want him as the sole guy on the lineup, but it's better than Corey Joseph being the only playmaker in the lineup. Um, so I like, the, I like that we've already turned you around to uh, no Mo Kojo minutes. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's bad, but I don't really want him uh, to get minutes on the Kings right here. Yeah, okay, so, <laughs> so we can dive into this Q&A, yeah. Is there anything else you feel like uh, that you want to touch on right now? Nope, let's do it. Okay, and if anybody in the chat has any other questions that come up, uh, definitely let us know. First, what we got in here was trade Bagley. We'll get to that. We're starting with Bagley talk. Um, we got from Christian on Twitter, at Christian33C, assess Marvin Bagley and his feeling based off what we've seen so far. Is there still potential for an all-star player? Um, and says, I know he's young, but the horrible defense, low IQ, and tunnel vision have been deeply concerning for me. It's hilarious because he's pretty much, I know he's young, but he's not good at basketball right now, but he's young. Um, so uh, you're you're the draft guy here. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the upside that Bagley still possesses as, as still a very young player. You know, I feel like I've reiterated the same point 
quite a few times uh, over the last couple of days on Twitter. So anybody who's seen my tweets, please forgive me. I still believe that the only thing we can have for Marvin Bagley is patience. Um, he's always been a player who needed extended, uninterrupted playing time in order to figure out what kind of player he really can be at this level. He needs to be paired with meaningful teammates who make him adjust to playing actual NBA basketball. And let's not forget, I mean, he's 21 years old. He's only played 82 games in his NBA career. He missed the entirety of his sophomore campaign, and he plays the single hardest position for a youngster to adapt to in the NBA. So there's all the meaningful caveats to get out of the way. Um, I I don't think we should predict anything close to an all-star player for Marvin Bagley at this point. Um, If he does, that'll be a historic turnaround for the kid. I sure hope it happens, even if it's not with the Kings the league will be better with who Marvin Bagley thinks he can be thriving somewhere in the NBA. Uh, at this point, I'd be thrilled if he hit strong starter status. I mean, yeah. honestly, that's my feeling at this point. And, um, and part of the issue is that, like, he doesn't exactly have the game to be a role player, right? He, I mean, he's a very high-usage player, um, and let me tell you, the efficiency is, is ugly this year. Yeah, very much. You know, somebody pointed this out, and then we started discussing it um, during the Houston games. Uh, I love Christian Wood. Uh, I've loved Christian Wood since he got out of UNLV. But probably the best thing that ever happened to Christian Wood was that he didn't get drafted. Um, He had to figure out, he had to listen to all these teams telling him exactly what he needed to do. Uh, He got signed as an undrafted player, and now he's making a whole lot of money in Houston to be a really, really good player. And as I'm watching him, you know, be the catch the ball, dive to the basket on overplays, pick and roll with John Wall, that's the kind of player that we want Marvin Bagley to be. But Marvin Bagley isn't getting the kick in the butt from being an undrafted player who needs to adapt his game to find minutes in the NBA. So it's kind of a difference of how you get to this point. Um, At some point, I expect that Marvin Bagley is going to have to figure it out and be like, uh, you know, these sky-high expectations that he's had for himself from the get-go. I'm going to be an MVP in my first season. You know, if it hasn't um, if reality hasn't washed over him yet, it's going to at some point. Um, and I hope that there is a coach out there who eventually helps him optimize and figure out exactly what he needs to be at this level. Um, I don't think that coach is Luke Walton, but, you know, that's all we can hope for with their kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely would not say an all-star. I can tell you that. Um, like you're saying, uh, you know, maybe a maybe a starter in the league. I don't know if that's a four or a five. Uh, probably a five is where I lean right now. Um, Agreed. Yeah. Okay. So we, we can move to the next one because it's still badly conversation. And this one is from Reddit, which, by the way, we have a thread always sticky to the top of the Reddit page that uh, you can always go leave comments there that we will get um, that we will get to and. Um, any feedback for episodes or questions that you want to ask us, we'll get to in further episodes. Starts off with congrats to Rich on the move and got to get Luca here for Bagley. So Rich, you know, do what you can. I know you're listening, buddy. By the way, he said, uh, who is this new host and why is he less handsome than the last one? <laughs> oh. Less less beard work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and Tim's uh, disappointed in the lack of back bathroom backgrounds going on. 
Um, yes, this is Tyler DLMG14 from Reddit. What do you guys think is the most realistic outcome for Bagley with the Kings um, and his NBA career in general? We'll start with his NBA career in general. I, I think that if Bagley is going to succeed right now, um, I mean, it's got to be a step-by-step process, right? Like these these expectations, like you said, kind of need to be altered. Um, and hopefully he he can realize that – like maybe the team hasn't optimized his opportunity, but he has not played good. Like this, this does. While I get that Walton has not been a good coach, that Sacramento is not the best um, environment, uh, we can say. Bagley has had his opportunities, and, and I don't think that he's really shown uh, that he hasn't really shown that much. So to me, right now, I, I genuinely think that like. Bagley needs to be able to try to be like a bench spark plug. I, 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 it sucks for where he started, and yeah. But aside from all that, like I think that he has scoring potential. He obviously has this ridiculous length, athleticism to him. I think that if he can just call a slow down a little bit sometimes, and um, you know, not constantly be moving at a hundred percent speed, or maybe you know do something besides jump hook every once in a while. Um, I think that there is an avenue for him to being a, a a spark plug off the bench and kind of a yeah, six-man that, that gives you a lot of offense. Is that kind of where you're at? Yeah, I, I'm not one. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I'm not – massively in on the bench role um, only because I've said that my patience comes with he needs to get a ton of reps with De'Aaron Fox and now he needs to get a ton of reps with Tyrese Halliburton playing with those kind of initiators are the only way that he is going to learn how to actually you know uh, not be a black hole find uh, other teammates figure out the efficient shots that he can take in an actual NBA half-court setting. Um, So whether that's coming off the bench or still starting, I just want him to get a lot of minutes with the starters. Now, I mean, on this team, that's not going to be a problem. Uh, It's not like Sacramento has a giant log jam at the uh, big man spots. So he's still going to get minutes. Um, And if it's going to absolutely destroy his confidence to come off the bench, then I'd probably just keep him in the starting lineup for at least 10, 20 more games. Um, I mean, clearly the confidence thing is an issue. He was really good in the Denver game until he didn't play at all in that second half. And then he came out in that Houston game and he was very rushed. He was totally different player than he had been in the previous couple of games. So it's a real balancing act. I don't, envy Luke Walton's responsibility of figuring out how to juggle this, even as I don't think he's the right guy to figure it out. Um, All that matters to me is that Marvin Bagley still gets a lot of playing time with De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton because the only way that he's ever going to find out what kind of player he is and the only way, I mean, even if you say that the Kings need to trade him, the only way that he's ever going to get trade value is by playing with starters in my book. Um, Yep. Uh, bench spark clubs one thing if you want to run him with a Tyrese Halliburton and uh, the rest of them bench guys line up where Marvin Bagley is the go-to scorer fine 
that sounds good to me. But uh, it, this is a really complicated issue, further complicated by the fact that if the Kings keep losing, how many of us care? <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, no, you and I don't. No, uh, yeah, as the, as the draft guy, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I, I think that what, when I was saying bench park plug, that was kind of my realistic outcome for his NBA career. Um, but for the Kings this season, I, I'm I, I I agree with you. Like, I think he should be getting these reps next to next to Fox and Halliburton and and be starting. Um, because I mean, even if the idea was to trade him, like that's the best way to build value for him, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. And I also think that for the sake of him and and Fox as well, that he does need to be that five because the spacing is is not good for for Fox. And if Bagley is going to do a lot of his work around the basket. Um, then obviously you want that area to be cleared out a little bit, and home sitting right on the other side of the rim um, it is not going to be great for him. And yeah, the next the next one we have here on Bagley as well. This is Hammerific on Reddit, who is a, a regular listener. I appreciate you listening all the time, man. And uh, he says in his mind, there's there's three choices in the way that the Bagley situation goes that he could keep playing heavy minutes in the starting lineup, kind of like we're talking about right now, and that eventually he'll work his way into the rotation. Super rusty, needs more playing time and experience, and then he has a little hashtag fade for Cade. Love it. Um, second one, he has move him to the bench, and he mentions for Bielitsa, uh saying that was the most successful lineup last year for a reason, keep him his first big off the bench. Um, his dad will be pissed, but who cares? I, I think that, honestly, like, well, Bielitsa, first of all, looks a step slow this year. Um, yeah. And, yeah, Rich definitely called that one going into this season. Um, if I were to move Bagley to the bench, I'm starting Halliburton, not Bielitsa. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Move Harrison Barnes to the four. Yes. Yes. With you there. And then okay. the third option uh, that that he has here is to try and find a trade partner, quietly get something done, and uh, – yeah, I mean, he says a late first or young wing would be fantastic, but unlikely. I, I like you don't you don't. I don't know what what you get for Bagley right now, right? Like it's it's a dumpster yeah. fire, and the entire league is aware of it. If you're trading him, it's because he asked out, and yeah, I don't really know what you get at that point. Like if you look at, um, I think Tim Maxwell mentioned the Markel Fultz deal, and I think that's kind of a a place that you can look at, but. You know, right I don't now. Remember what the I don't remember what the 76ers got. It was a second rounder that they got this year. Um, a um, they got Jonathan Simmons as the matching salary that was expiring, and then they got this OKC first that was top 20 protected. That at the time, every single person thought that was not going to convey. Right? Nobody thought OKC was going to be a top 10 team going into the year. So it did end up going to okay uh, to Philadelphia, and it ended up being Tyrese Maxey, um, which you know is is kind of the <laughs> lucky roll of the dice. Like nobody, yeah. I don't think anybody expected that to convey, and nobody expected Tyrese Maxey to fall that far. So I guess it's a dream scenario. Um, yeah, key key on dream there. Yeah, um, it, it it really was like second rounders in filler. Yeah, well. I, I want to point out another thing, our buddy Tim, the chaos giraffe, as I've <laughs> decided he needs to be called now. Uh, he highlighted a comment from the King's Herald this morning from uh, Unfair Weather, 
who remarked that the situation is remarkably similar to when the Kings traded for Derek Williams from Minnesota a couple years ago. Williams was former number two pick. Uh, he'd really underwhelmed, you know, kind of in the same way. Um, athletic to all hell, but not a high skill guy, a lot more raw than people were thinking. All the Kings had to trade for Derek Williams was Luke Mahamute. He's a useful player, no doubt, but not a meaningful one for a rebuilding team. So, you know, we can dream about a late first. We can dream about some meaningful other, um, you know, I keep seeing people talk about Mobamba, like trade one um, failing youngster for another. I mean, if that happens, sure, I guess. But Kings fans can't is Bamba any more likely to pan out than Bagley? No, but you take the – I mean, I wouldn't do it, but the logic behind it is get the two guys in new situations, get them with new coaches and teams who say, hey, we believed in you, we traded for you. I mean, right. not to – this is why I'm not in a hurry to trade Marvin Bagley. His value can't get lower than it is right now, and whatever chance he has of turning this around, it's almost certainly more valuable to the Kings than what they get in return for a trade. So what I want to happen, just keep giving him minutes. If he's – still exactly who he is at the end of the season, then, I mean, you get pennies on the dollar. That's what you'll get right now. But what I think will happen, I don't know. Monty McNair has been incredibly close to the vest with his cards on this kind of stuff, Um, as evident by the fact that, you know, Buddy Heald wanted out this summer, and Monty McNair didn't get a trade that he thought was fair value, but he'll still here. So if there's any evidence on how Monty McNair handles these situations where a player is worth less on the open market than he thinks the player is worth, I, I don't know. I don't think Bagley goes anywhere. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me, I guess. I'd say I guess his value could get worse, but I don't know how big of a difference it is when you're talking yeah. second rounders compared to losing him for nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, just trade him for an expiring contract. Yeah, and like you said, you know, there there were positive moments like that that Denver quarter, second quarter, I believe it was specifically. Um, I was a little skeptical when it was happening that maybe shots were just kind of falling for him that night. Um, but but there's moments where where you see it, you know, and I, I get why you would want more flashes. Um, but I think he's just passed a season worth of games, just passed playing 82 games, and yeah. he was always a guy that was going to take a few years. Um, to really be an impactful player in the league. So it's not crazy that, that he still ends up panning out. But, I, I mean, I totally understand the frustration, especially when it starts getting uh, vocal about, you know, unhappy with a role and uh, as has come from uh, his father on Twitter. Um, but, yeah, the, the last the last Bagley question we have here from Ryan Ritter, who does good work on the Kings too, at, Real, at the Real Ritter on Twitter, uh, Theoretically, if the Kings' only options at this point were A, fire Luke Walton, or B, trade Bagley, which route do you think they would pursue? You you, you replied to this tweet with an easy button, a Staples easy button. I'm pretty sure we're going oh. A here. Yeah, it's easy for me. Yes. <laughs> I don't yes. think Luke Walton is the coach that will be uh, leading this team when they make a meeting for a run to the playoffs. So that's an easy choice for me. I have no idea how Monty McNair will handle this. Um, yeah. I think Monty McNair, 
I can only project that Monty McNair probably took this team knowing that Luke Walton's not going to be the coach uh, in a year or two. Um, but we also don't know how he took this job and assessed uh, Marvin Bagley's worth to the future of his team. So I have no idea what they'll do if it came down to these two, but I know what I'd do. Yeah, I'm definitely taking it as what I would do uh, because no clue what Sacramento would do. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm definitely a, a bye-bye Walton and let some of the other players prosper a little bit. It's actually funny. Both of these options might actually improve the rest of the roster. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's enough. Oh, that's depressing. Uh, yeah, so, so sad. Um, but it's enough Bagley. Like you said, I, I'm with you that, just just remain patient. Like there's no rush to to make a decision on him right now, um, unless you know it, it really starts upsetting Fox or anything like this. Um, but yeah, I, I think we can put the Bagley stuff on hold. I'm sure everybody's talking about Bagley. Um, yeah, I don't think there's really anything that you get for him. Okay, now we have some Corey Joseph talk here. <laughs> the first one here. And this one, I don't think that we're going to vary, but we'll see. And by the way, I just had to shout out this Twitter name. His name is Pat Phoenix. Um, and <laughs> That's what I was just laughing at. The at is Goatmeal69. I mean, honestly, just a legendary combination right there. Um, the question, uh, is Corey Joseph really any good at defense? Um, I don't think Corey Joseph is terrible. At defense, I think he, uh, in his heyday, he knew what he knows what he has to do. Um, I definitely think he's a step slower than he used to be, and I think that's leading to a lot of guys being able to back cut him pretty bad. I definitely don't think that he has been as good defensively this season as he was last year. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm of the opinion that uh, Corey Joseph shouldn't be playing anywhere close to 20 minutes a game on this team. Yeah, so for the Kings, I think this is what, what's rough, and I think that Rich and I have said this before, that like Corey Joseph is a good role player on defense, that he fits in well with a good defense. Sacramento does not have other good defenders. Like, I think Corey Joseph is really good at making rotations. You know, if if uh, if there's a pick and roll going on and he's the guy on the weak side, he's really good at sneaking over and snip, uh, sneaking the ball away from the big man that's rolling in. Um, I think he does have good hands. And like I said, he makes smart rotations. So I think he can be a cog in a good defense, but he by himself is not that impactful of a defender without other playmakers around him. Um, and I think, yeah, like like point of attack defense um, has taken a step back. He doesn't do a great job of getting through screens. Um, so, yeah, his impact to me is off-ball defense. Um, and with the size he's at, there's only so much you can do off-ball defense. Um, so, yes, I, I do think that Corey Joseph's a good defender, but I think that he has to be in a – in a good defense already for that to be felt um, or else it's just, and especially when he's frustrating on the offensive end, it's way more easy to nitpick yeah. him on the defensive end as well. Um, exactly. So, yeah, but I'm with you. Like when it comes to Sacramento, give me Kyle guy, give me, you know, Jemias Ramsey, obviously. Um, 
Yeah. So uh, we have a little bit more Corey Joseph talk here. This one was from Reddit. Um, it's Bluthton, I think is how you pronounce this. Do you watch Arrested Development, by the way? This makes me think of No, Bluth. I've never watched that. No. Wow. no. That's always wow. been on my list and never at the top of it. It's a good one. It is a good one. There's like one really weird season where they switch it up, but it's a good show. I will say I don't watch that many shows, but Arrested Development is a good one. Okay. What are your thoughts on taking on Dinwiddie's contract and a top 20 protected first? All right. Right off the gate. You're very optimistic on what you <laughs> yeah, are getting seriously. in return. Very, very optimistic on what you're getting in return. Like, I get it, Den, when he went down. Um, the idea is, like, he's not going to be a factor at all for Brooklyn this year. But it, even if you're just talking a first-round pick, they are getting something better than Corey Joseph. Absolutely not. They get something better for Corey Joseph for just Spencer Dinwiddie's promise of being all right next year. It's not like Spencer Dinwiddie has a crazy – Contract. He's getting paid eleven million this year and twelve million next year. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's what Corey Joseph's getting paid. Right. So okay. So at the end of this, he asked for other potential Corey Joseph trades, and this is probably where we're going to get a little a little sweaty in some of the episodes because I cooked up some fake trades uh, for a bunch of different guys on the rosters. And to start, okay, what what sort of team would be interested in Corey Joseph? In your mind, like the the thing for me was, like I said, I think Corey Joseph's a good defender in a team that already is defensive focused and surrounded by good defenders. So I kind of looked for good defenses that have a little bit of point guard depth. Do you feel like that's or a little bit of lack of point guard depth? Do you feel like that's yeah. fair? And have good and have good initiators that don't need to play the point guard. Um, and those other initiators have to be good shooters because Corey Joseph is middling at best. Yeah. So that's quite a lot of factors. Um, I don't know. Your your uh, Boston Celtics looking for another point guard? No, I think Boston will come up later. Um, but <laughs> I, I think Boston's looking for some offensive spark plug, and I, Corey Joseph's not quite that guy. So I looked at Miami actually, and I think Miami's interesting. Um, they have. Myers Leonard's sitting there making $9.5 million, who's not playing this year. Um, he can't be traded until February 20th because he was just um, he was just signed this offseason. But, you know, I mean, do you take a – they have a least favorable Philadelphia and Denver second rounder, um, and then you take back Myers Leonard for two years? Like, I'm pretty sure they gave – in my mind, they gave Leonard that overpay to be a tradable contract. I don't know if Corey Joseph is the guy that they're necessarily targeting, um, but I don't know. What do you think, like, Myers Leonard and this least favorable Philly and Denver uh, second rounder for Corey Joseph? And, again, Leonard does have two years, so it's not like you're really clearing your books that much. Yeah, considering that Corey Joseph is um, only partially guaranteed next year. I think he's only guaranteed for two million of his twelve million on the books. I would pro if if the deal is um, a two year contract and a second. I'm probably just sticking with Corey and letting his contract wave and not have to pay Myers Leonard ten million next year. Yeah, you're right. That is a two year. Um, so no, I wouldn't do that one. Yeah, and there's no reason you want to get us the first. Which no way in my mind. Yeah, yeah no I mean, like, what if there's you no throw way a couple Joseph seconds? Yeah, like if it's no. a couple second rounders, 
I mean, I, I guess. But, like, Sacramento shouldn't feel like a need to get rid of this Joseph deal. Like you're saying, yeah. it's only – it's small guarantee in that next season. You know, I do want to say the one – the best thing about Corey Joseph is, to me, how quickly Tyrese Halliburton has been to identify him as the guy who's taken him under his wing. Because Corey Joseph, when he was in his heyday with the Spurs, would be the exact kind of guy I'd want – helping Tyrese Halliburton transition to the NBA. So if his role is to be on the bench, play 10 minutes a game, uh, eventually cede those 10 minutes to Kyle Guy and Jemias Ramsey and help all the youngsters adapt to the NBA, then just keep him on the bench and let him walk next year. Yeah, which, which by the way... Um Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. So I have some Corey Joseph numbers um, with Halliburton on the floor compared to Halliburton off of the floor. And to me, a lot of this has to do with, well, first of all, putting another good defender out there with him. Uh, probably makes him feel a little bit better, but really taking the ball out of his hands. That way I'm not watching Corey Joseph dribble under the basket for 16 seconds of the shot clock. Um, I, I cannot – there was a possession. I don't remember last game, game before. They both were horrible and are a blur. Um, they, I swear Corey Joseph stood at the three-point line and dribbled the ball for eight seconds while nothing was happening. And I don't – yes, yes. And maybe it's not Joseph's fault. There's not that much movement, but it, it kind of only happens with Joseph out there. Um, anyways, so the Kings stats with Joseph on the floor and Halliburton off, and these got even worse since the last game. <laughs> 77 total minutes with Joseph without Halliburton. Offensive rating, 83.6. Um, defensive rating of 114. Point five. That's a negative 30 net rating. So with both of them on the floor, offensive rating goes from 83 to 113. And obviously there's other factors that, that go into this as well. Um, and the defensive rating goes from 114 to 98. So it becomes a 14.4 positive net rating compared to a negative 30. And like it's not like the, these are kind of even level of minutes. There's 88 minutes with them sharing the floor, 77 of only Corey Joseph. 
Um, and, you know, I'm sure some of it has to do with the, the two worst games of the year coming without Halliburton, which is also telling of Halliburton's play. Um, <laughs> Very true. And obviously negatively impacted these Corey Joseph numbers. But, I mean, I think the eye test really backs it up, too. Like, Corey Joseph, I, I you can tell, like, Twitter was not pissed off at Corey Joseph when Tyrese Halliburton was on the floor with him. Yeah. Uh, all I'll say is that if you need Tyrese Halliburton to justify Corey Joseph's time, that's a sign that Corey Joseph should never come in the game before Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton makes everybody better. That's just a simple fact. But he should either be the starter or the first man off the bench. Uh, yes, yes. So I, I'm with you, but at the same time, I think that, like, Corey Joseph was a little miscast in his time here by that, like, he needs he can't be the primary playmaker. You know what I mean? And that's part of the plus of Halliburton. That, like, I get it's a rookie coming in, and that shouldn't need to be the thing that gets Corey Joseph going, but he should have never been the only playmaker in lineups. Yeah, definitely not. But as we talked about earlier, Kings don't really have that many playmakers aside from De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton at this point, so... Yes, which we will get to, actually. I wish I was done with these fake Corey Joseph trades. It would be a great segue. Okay, so a different Brooklyn one. What do you think of, I mean, Torian Prince, um, this is, it has matching salary, but he also has two years, um, and then Brooklyn has a slew of second rounders next year um, that they're probably not going to have a use for. They have Indiana's, Phoenix's, and Atlanta's. Like, I mean, would you take Torian Prince in Atlanta's second rounder for Corey Joseph? Because, again, though, you're taking on one more year, you know, if you're considering Joseph's non-guarantee. How much is Prince making next year? Do you 12, got that in front of you? Um, I don't Same. have next year right in front of me, but it's $12 million this year. Um, so it can't be much more. I can get it up here. Yeah, I'll say that I've never really been a believer in Torian Prince to begin with. No, it's definitely about the second rounder. It's definitely yeah. not about Torian Prince. I don't know. If the get is the second rounder, I might just keep Corey Joseph. $13 million next year. I'd, at that point, it becomes, would you rather have $10 million in cap space next year or a second round pick? And that seems pretty high for a second round pick. Yeah. Yeah, so. fair enough. Um, and... The one other one I have here, and this is my most optimistic one here, let me tell you. Corey Joseph, um, and, and this is just me trying to find matching salary in different places around the league. Um, the Dallas Mavericks, I don't know if I love the fit. Like, they have they have Jalen Brunson, um, but they're looking for – I think that they could be looking for a defensive um, guard that is low usage, obviously. Like, he's not going to have the ball in his hands with Luka out there. Um, James Johnson is matching salary. I honestly don't know how much they value James Johnson. I've heard a lot of talk of him being the enforcer on the team. Um, and he's then, definitely that. yeah, well, he's definitely the enforcer. Yeah, yeah, the black belt and everything, right? Um, and then, what? So you would take an expiring and then get like a second rounder in return? Or I, I decided to be a, a little, a little, have a little fun here. Give me Tyler Bay instead of a second rounder. I'll just take <laughs> your actual second rounder from this I year knew it that I happen going. to love. Or Nate Hinton, <laughs> who I love. Is it crazy? Is it crazy? No, that's not crazy. Um, yeah, it, it it would 
it would take a lot for uh, a bunch of Kings fans to swallow their pride and accept James Johnson. Oh, right. Oh, man. <laughs> I forget about this because I didn't cover the no, team amazingly then. I've come up with quite a few um, Dallas trades uh, that have involved James Johnson and just forgetting all about that Sonic <laughs> hat kind of debacle. Because, uh, you know, Dallas has quite a few young guys that if they wanted – swap over for some of the Kings veterans uh, that's reasonable to consider. So um, has Tyler Bay even played this year? I don't think he has. I don't yet. think he has. He's the two, he's a two way deal for them. Yeah. I wouldn't mind either of those because they're more set in what you're getting for the second, you know, second round type talent and it's yeah. an expiring contract. Right. Um, so, I see why you think that's more optimistic, though. Yeah, and yeah, I'll, I'll run it by uh, uh, some Dallas buddies I know and kind of see what they say. I guess Rich now. we got to run yeah. this by Rich. Um, I was going to say. Yeah, and, and I will say Dallas does not fit that like good defense that you'd want to put Corey Joseph into. I don't know that his defense would feel good in that system. Uh, maybe, actually, like if you're running him with, say, Kleba, uh, um, Porzingis, and what, Finney Smith, Corey Joseph, and Doncic? It's actually not a horrible lineup, um, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, James Johnson might have more value than, than Corey Joseph. Um, yeah, I can't say I've, I've kept the most tabs on, on how valuable James Johnson has been to Dallas this season. But, yeah, um, point being, it's – I mean, you're not you're not getting much in return. You're really talking about second round value, and you know, hopefully you'd be able to get an expiring. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that's that's the Corey Joseph talk I got here. And moving into the next one, looking for another playmaker. Um, got a couple different questions that kind of fall under that. Um, so this one is from 916God, uh, at 916God on Twitter. He's the moderator for for the Reddit um, friend of the show. Who can the Kings realistically target for a trade that would give us another playmaker aside from Fox and Halliburton? It's painfully obvious how stagnant our offense was. So I was just going to respond to this one by I do not think that the Kings should make a win-now trade. Absolutely. Um, like, Absolutely I get not. that it sucks. I, I get that it sucks. I'm with you. It's like horrible to watch the offense when one of Fox or Halliburton is not out there or neither of them is out there I should say but there's the stage that you're at there's no way that they should go and trade for a playmaker yeah I agree um yeah and then you know as an alternative um this is Shar Arknight's minimum uh yeah, these names are an interesting thing to say sometimes. At Vazen Yawn underscore Yawn is what we're going with from Twitter. Um, should the Kings inquire about Isaiah Thomas for a third playmaker? <laughs> Why not? Why not? Yeah, absolutely. Why not? I love um, it. Somebody needs to get Isaiah Thomas on an NBA team. And, Didn't he just uh, fire his agent today or separated from his agency? He did. Um, it sure would be great to have him back in Sacramento. Um, you know, that's that kind of – it's not going to win the Kings any games and do it would only serve to make us more excited for a second unit and give us another dude to cheer for. So, you know, I actually think that he could, he could be a decent mentor to Fox too. Like the way that Isaiah Thomas was able to play through contact 
um, change pace and everything. I actually think that he wouldn't be a bad role model if you were looking at like prime Boston IT for Fox. Yeah, absolutely. Well, IT is that kind of guy who's been through hell and back and pretty much everything. I mean, he's the kind of um, spark plug scoring veteran that this team could really use. I mean, if the option is give Corey Joseph 15 minutes a game or see what Isaiah Thomas has, I'm calling IT all day. Yeah, but to be fair, um, would you rather just give the minutes to Kyle Guy or Ramsey or some of these young guys? Probably, right? It would probably be best for the long run of this team. Yeah, yeah, um, probably. Although I would I would very much enjoy Isaiah Thomas, I will say. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, to move on to more additional fake trades that I've uh, kind of got laid out here uh, that were led on by some of these questions. This one's John Francis from Twitter, at Sunbreak the Dawn. The value of Barnes, what is the value of Barnes and how he compares to other teams with vets to complement a young core? Um, so, obviously, the Harrison Barnes situation is just revolving around his contract, and if you feel like he is really worth that money. Um, and this year he's owed $22 million, 21-22, he's owed $20 million, and the final year of his deal, which is 2022-23, he is owed $18 million. Um, it's good that it's decreasing, but, I mean, as much as I like Barnes, he's probably not a $22 million guy, but I don't think it's all that far off with how – big contracts are at this point. I mean, it is an overpay. Do not get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but Harrison Barnes is is also criminally underrated because he's overpaid, I would say. Absolutely. Um, you know, throughout the last three seasons, he shot at least 38% from three. on In 2018-19, 6.3 attempts, 38.9%. 20, uh, or I'm sorry, 2018-19, that was just Dallas. So, Total of 2018 19, 39% on 5.7 attempts. Um, last season, 38% on 3.7 attempts. Um, he's only at 30% right now, but I think, I believe he missed his first 10 or so shots and then has really been good for them since. Harrison Barnes doesn't have, I mean, I'm trying to think maybe I'm wrong about this. I don't feel like Harrison Barnes has much of a weakness in his game. He doesn't have any areas where it's like he's elite or anything either. But he's just a very well-rounded player that I think really would be a good starter on a playoff team. I agree. I think that he is very much underrated by both general fans and Kings fans. I mean, I still see a lot of Kings fans who think that he is the least tradable player on this team. Um, I will be very surprised if the trade deadline comes and goes and Monty McNair doesn't find uh, a few suitors who see that Harrison Barnes is putting up career rebound numbers. He's putting up career assist numbers. He's very efficient when it comes to scoring. I mean, he pretty much single-handedly won that first Denver game. Um, he's a professional in the locker room. He's been great around the young guys. Some team is going to come calling. I mean, there's just not a lot of – there's always a need for big wings – and while Harrison Barnes has definitely slowed down a little bit, I don't. He's still a fine defender. Um, I think that uh, any veteran team that has the cap space, to I mean, sorry, has the uh, contract to go and trade for Harrison Barnes and just enough of a sweetener to get Sacramento interested, like 
why wouldn't uh, Dallas come calling? Just swap him back. Dallas could definitely use somebody like Harrison Barnes. Yeah, it's definitely about finding matching salary, and this is going to be the issue that you run into with Buddy Heald as well. Um, and so this is this is where I feel like Boston's interesting. Boston has this traded player mm-hmm. exception from, from the Gordon Hayward situation, and I, I think personally, like yesterday, Boston finally started Shemi Ojolet, which sounds so stupid to say, in the second half of a game instead of two bigs. Because their best, like, it's just their best players. They kind of, they've been throwing out two bigs. Trust me, I'm so over watching two big lineups between Boston and Sacramento. Um, But they finally, like, they were able to roll out a wing, and the spacing was ridiculous. Tatum was able to get to the rim a bunch. Um, I I shouldn't say ridiculous when I'm talking about Shemi Ojale spacing. But... They they look for switchability and they they love these wings that can kind of do a little bit of everything. I think Harrison Barnes actually makes a lot of sense, and the guy I have in return because while Boston has I want to say it's a twenty eight million dollar player exception um, since they signed Tristan Thompson to the uh, mid level exception they are hard capped they only can take in about twenty million in salary um, right about that. Um, a, a little bit more. So actually, it works perfect if Sacra- if the Kings, or I'm sorry, if Boston sends back Shemi Ojale, um, which is an expiring contract this year, and honestly, Shemi Ojale is not a not 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 great. I wouldn't have much interest mm-hmm. if I was Sacramento. Um, this really would be a salary dump from Sacramento's point of view. Um, you know, even if like those two could work straight up, those two could work straight up. Mm-hmm. Um, do do you consider that? Like, I, I don't know if Sacramento would need to throw in second rounders. No chance they consider any firsts of any sort. Like, what do you think of just straight up dumping Barnes pretty much? You know, I might be crazy here, but I don't think that Harrison Barnes is a guy that you just straight dump. Um, I, re- I, I just can't believe that there wouldn't be some other veteran team that could beat that offer. Um, I wish you'd said Aaron Naismith because that one's more interesting. I I, I, I did play with like putting Romeo Langford in there. Um, oh, that yeah, probably was really hard for you. <laughs> we had a Romeo Langford conversation last night. Um, yeah, so I I mean like obviously you could put other guys than Shemi in there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just wasn't really sure. I mean Boston is taking on. Uh, more money, but they're also in a situation with with Tatum about to go into a supermax where they're not really going to have cap space for yeah. a while. Um, so that's why this trade player exception is, is a big deal to them. So I think there maybe is a chance that you could get a. I mean, what Boston's first rounder is going to be in the twenties. Um, like, I, I when has Danny Ainge ever traded his first? Right. Fair, fair point. <laughs> fair point. I actually have no clue what the answer is to that question. You're very right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, if you can, I mean, Neesmith, yeah, yeah, it's very early. Neesmith doesn't look good. I didn't like Neesmith in the first place, but that's totally the type of deal that you should make. You know, if there was something where it's like Romeo Langford or Neesmith straight up for Harrison Barnes, and that would work because of the trade player exception, all sure. for it. All, all for it. it. Um 
yeah, the other one I have that is also just a straight-up dump, and maybe you could make this a three-team in some sort of way. If Indiana's trying to get rid of Oladipo, like the money works for either him or Buddy, straight up. Um, oh, man. And those are, those are just dumps. And I guess the idea would probably be flipping Oladipo somewhere else, yeah. right? Oladipo would not want to come to Sacramento. No. Sacramento's, no. At that point, hmm. In Indiana, it would have to, I mean, it already kind of seemed to maybe be going downhill a little bit, that relationship, but who, yeah. Who, yeah, that's kind of up in the air. But, I mean, those are matching salaries, either Barnes or Buddy. I ran it by an Indiana guy, and he's like, well, no, yeah, he, he did not seem all too interested, um, unless Sacramento was including something else as well. But, yeah. you know, did, did he, that was his point of view. He said he didn't feel like it was too crazy. Uh-huh. This is going to be really interesting to see how Indiana handles this because, once again, they're a fine team. Um, I mean, if they keep winning at this rate, maybe Oladipo doesn't freak out and right. need to get traded. But, uh, yeah, I think that where probably works best is a three-team deal, let Oladipo go um, somewhere more meaningful and let that other meaningful team just slip Sacramento and young guy of varying degree of awesomeness, so. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, and I guess actually I do have matching salaries here because I have a bunch of healed deals um, that we can get into as well. Um, last question on making trades, though. This is a JV underscore investments 916 at Jovina B3001. When will they invo- endorse the full-blown rebuild and unload the so-called veterans? I mean, like, I, actually, I don't really know. Uh, again, we don't know what Sacramento's front office is thinking. Yeah. I, If you can get assets in return for these guys, I say do it. From my point of view, um, I agree. I'm all for it um, because you're not – I'm with you. There, This isn't a playoff team. I don't think this is a play-in team this year. I think that's actually their upside is a play-in team. Um, and in a draft where – as you're very aware, is is very strong at the top. Like I, I, I genuinely think that a lot of Sacramento's problems can be solved. Obviously, like you get a top five pick in this draft, and you, you, so much. I, I dream about that happening. Let me just say that, like, so many issues would be solved. And I think you know, flipping vets for young guys, um, or or just draft assets and expiring deals. If you can get value for these guys, you do it. And the impression I get is that McNair would do that. Um, but I sure hope so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I, I think it's the obvious move. I I think the only – when will they endorse? I think when Monty McNair gets an offer that he thinks is fair value. I don't, yeah. I don't think he's a guy who's just going to let somebody go for nothing. Yeah. If he thinks that – they're worth something on the open market and he's not getting the offers that he wants. He's, I, I think until proven otherwise, he holds his cards close to the vest and goes from there. Right. Um, yeah, comment in the chat, this team is always effing rebuilding. Yes, yes. But, you know, you would have Fox and Halliburton and then one more key guy that really, if, if you had a top five pick, the guy coming in would be the, the, the key player on the team, Right. He, he'd be the main guy. And in my mind, Fox is like a great number two. 
um, don't feel great about him as a number one unless there's um, a lot of improvement, which totally could happen. Um, and yeah, so uh, yes, like they they have you add one more to Fox and Halliburton is all I'm saying. Um, yeah, yeah. So okay, some of these healed ones I have. Um, yeah, again, you know there is the Boston thing as well. Um, it, it would have to be again a, a Shemi and Shemi and Langford or, or Shemi and I mean, <laughs> I have Shemi and Carson Edwards, which is not good. Um, not a great return, but like this would be dumping healed, you no. know. And, I think if that was what I think if that's what Monty McNair was going for, it would have happened already. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm yeah, yeah. You probably could have dumped him for absolutely nothing if you wanted to by now. You know, my I have mocked uh, a Dallas trade with Buddy Hill, James Johnson, and Josh Green. It works salary wise. Um, Steph Love gets a young player. I know. (laughs) Could you imagine? Josh Green would be great on this team. Next to Halliburton? Oh, yes. Oh, Oh, wow. Just imagine the defense and versatility. Oh, Oh, in the transition offense? Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) Rich is like, what are you guys doing? (laughs) (laughs) You're not here to to, uh, defend you, Josh Green, doubt, Rich. You don't get to get mad at us. Um, And, I mean, Dallas needs to go for it. They need to do something. And, um, there is probably, I mean, the reason that Buddy Heald has worked so well next to De'Aaron Fox is why he'll also work with a big-time initiator like Luka Doncic. And, right. I mean, that team has a lot of interesting, odd pieces that make quite a um, unique team to watch. But the one thing that they don't really have is an insane nuclear shooter right now. And Buddy Hield could be that guy. Um, now, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there, Buddy Hield's been mediocre to bad this year, depending on who you ask. So maybe an expiring contract in a rookie who just got drafted 18 isn't the value that he's yet, but I don't know. Yeah. It seems to me to be what Monty McNair is expecting. Right, and I mean, I think there's a real argument that he would look really good in that system like you were talking about. I mean, look at what Tim Hardaway looks like in that system. Tim Hardaway looks like a ridiculous shooter, and he, and he has been a very good shooter to his credit, but Buddy Heald is on a different level than Tim Hardaway. Um, yeah, okay. Um, how do you feel about, uh, about Gary Harris as uh, the matching salary? I think Gary Harris is, has a little bit of uh, turbulence in in Denver. A little bit. A little bit. Forgot how to shoot. Um, <laughs> he's only 26. I mean, he's that's a just a year younger than Buddy Hills. It's not like he's fully in Fox's trade range, um, but he's a good defender. Uh, team could always use more of those. Yeah, and it's uh, – Two years on that contract, it's 19 million this year, which I mean is an overpay for Gary Harris, but it's just about cutting two years off compared to what the heel deal was. And I mean, I don't think that Denver would have any reason to include a first um, no. in, in that as well. Um, wouldn't surprise me if they even asked for assets from Sacramento for taking on two more uh, years of a contract no. like that. And I know we're like, how awesome would how awesome would Buddy Heel be? Running around with either Jamal Murray or Jokic about to throw him the ball. And Michael Porter Jr. 
Yeah, like the spacing on that team would be would be for real. Uh, no, make make uh, make Denver give us Zeke Naji back. <laughs> there you go. go. There you go. Yeah, um, Bobble, Bobble. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, and I, I know, like, it's early to have a trade episode. We just, there was only so much to talk about. I, I didn't want to just keep diving into this. It's super depressed. Um, <laughs> yeah, to this to this Bagley situation or the team playing bad. Um, so kind of just like a Q&A, and, of course, people want to hear about trades. So figured I might as well throw a few more, throw a few out there. I have a, a couple others uh, matching salaries for Heald. I think uh, this one's interesting um but it is also kind of just a dump most of these i i did end up just kind of finding matching salaries and then uh yeah yeah dumping him but this one is an expiring deal at very least um and, and i think buddy healed is kind of what orlando wants evan fournier to be mm-hmm. um so and you know i think that orlando could use some additional offense i know they're off to a very hot, hot start um but I think that, you know, there there could be something there that, like I said, the salary matches. Evan Fournier is on an expiring contract. It was a player option this year that I thought that maybe he could decline. Um, but him picking up the $17 million means that obviously that is uh, probably more than, than what he's worth. And then, yeah, I mean, Orlando could include other things as well. Um, like you said, you're probably not about a straight-up dump, even if it's just a one an expiring deal for Buddy, or yeah, I I wouldn't. I I know that there are a lot of Kings fans who think that just get rid of the contract and no, I think that Buddy Hill demands more than that. If he had been a free agent this year, I think he would have gotten roughly what he has now. I mean, Buddy Hield is making just a bit more than Joe Harris, and in a couple of years. I mean, his contract declines. He'll be making less than Joe Harris in two years. Uh, does anybody take Joe Harris over Buddy Hield? I think it's, there's an argument for it, but yeah, yeah, I think that's equivalent value. So, yeah, it's interesting, and it, and I actually think Orlando is one of the more interesting fits there as well. Um, I, I think it does make a decent amount of sense there. They have some of the defense to cover up for for Hill's shortcomings as well and uh, could definitely use the spacing. And it, it doesn't seem like, from what I can tell, that uh, Orlando is uh, the biggest fan of, uh, of Fournier. And, you know, like maybe if you throw two second-rounders, they'll throw you a first if, if their record stays stays pretty good or something and they're the sixth seed in the East, something like that. Um, I don't know. I'm being optimistic, but I, I'm mainly just kind of pointing out matching salaries and then there would be other additional small pieces thrown in as well. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's not going to happen, but we could just, for the sake of Rich, could throw out Cole Anthony, you know? Uh, <laughs> no way. No, not going to happen. No way. Not going to um, happen. I think that's actually all that I have here. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it is it is difficult to find teams that, um, especially, obviously, at this point in the year, um, that 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 Buddy Heald specifically feels like a, a, a clear improvement, especially when you're committing to four years of him. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and also it's just not easy to find matching salary where you're not taking back um, many years as well, um, which at that point, you know, like I, I think Heald actually is when you're talking about a compliment to, to Buddy, or I'm sorry, to Bagley and Fox, like, 
Shield actually kind of is that guy, you know. Um, yeah. I, I, he shouldn't be functioning with the ball in his hands as much as he has. Actually, previous years, I don't feel like that's been the case as much this season. Um, so, yeah. Um, I'm fine keeping Buddy Hield around until his trade value goes up to what Monty McNair thinks he should get. Um, he's going to unlock a lot for Fox and unlock more for Tyrese Halliburton. So I have no crazy need for the Kings to dump Buddy Heald of the veterans on this team. What about Barnes? If if the – see, there's a really tight balance between I kind of do want this team to start playing the youngsters, but I also don't want to get nothing for something. Kings already did that. Um, and Sacramento's just not a good enough destination with enough assets to just be letting – all right, NBA starter level players go for nothing. So it's a really tight rope job that Monty McNair has trying to uh, figure out how to both rebuild and accept that, I mean, at the end of the season, I think you and I both would rather see Harrison Barnes off to greener pastures and have Robert Woodard getting all those minutes. That sounds good to me, but if if the option is Harrison Barnes for Semi Ojale, I don't know. I might I might just keep Harrison Barnes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like because you know, I th- I think that you can still be a uh, bottom eight team with these guys on the roster. I don't think they're stopping you Definitely. from tanking or anything like that, or unintentionally tanking. I don't want to have a, a loser's mindset. Um, so, yeah, I don't think they're stopping you from that or anything like that. And, and you know, if you were talking about adding a uh, a top draft pick and then now all of a sudden you have a, drop, a top draft pick alongside Fox, Halliburton, and Buddy and Barnes, like, you know, that's, that's not too bad. Um, and, and I don't know how much that – I don't know, actually, because the – I, I see why the cap space is important for guys like like a Derek Jones Jr. in this offseason, um, where you know I, I like there are kind of young guys that are occasionally out there sometimes um, that you'd be able to use that cap space on rather than just throwing in that different veterans that are just going to you know end up in the same situation as this Harrison Barnes or Corey Joseph deal. Um, so yeah, I mean it kind of comes down to me like how much you value that cap space, which mm-hmm. I think is a very interesting question when it comes to Sacramento and uh, other various small markets. Yeah, and we did just see Monty McNair not want to tie his hands up um, with Bogdan Bogdanovich and let him let an asset walk for nothing. So maybe there's a case to be made that that's how he wants to move forward with questionable contracts. So. It'll be really interesting um, once this team gets into the trading window and more people start calling to see what approach Monty McNair goes with these questionable guys. Yeah, definitely. Teams I'm keeping an eye on are for sure – I'm keeping an eye on Boston, Orlando, and Dallas. Um, I think that those are very intriguing teams that that could come calling. Um, Yeah, again – Apologies for just getting super deep in hypothetical trade talks. What are we, seven, eight games into the season? Um, but, yeah, this is this is what was asked for, Bryant. Uh, and, and you know what we're going to close with here? Um, a little bit of a layup of a question in this Q&A from, <laughs> from Jordan at G-M-B-H-A-N-J-I. 
seems a little tantalized by this uh, Jalen Suggs pass that we've seen. And, and to be fair, Jalen Suggs has played very well. Um, the question yeah, is, very well. is Jalen Suggs first, first Kate Cunningham? And I'll, I'll, you let, know, you, I'll I, let you take this one. I, this is, it's not insane that somebody's asking this question because I've seen a couple of people wonder if Jalen Suggs is worth and having in that number one conversation, this one's easy for me. Um, I take a pretty much over anybody in this class very easily. Yeah. Um, for both the Kings and pretty much any team in a vacuum, even if you consider Suggs to be an equivalent player to Cade, I don't, but let's pretend that I did, you always have to favor the bigger initiator. Um, I mean, one of the dozen reasons that big initiators like Luka Doncic can do as much as they do is because his size gives him passing lanes, offensive options, use of ability, usage abilities, lineup opportunities, far beyond what a 6-4 point guard who relies on the pick and roll can yeah. do. A um, different vision yeah. of the court. Yeah. I, I don't want to take anything away from Suggs, who is a joy to watch and is an exceptionally high end sync player. He's definitely going to sit in the top three of my overall big board. Wow. Fit with Sacramento, be damned. Um, he makes me enjoy Gonzaga games, which annoys me as the St. Mary's alumni. Um, but Kate is on another level. Yeah. And with his size, he offers versatility that the Kings and pretty much any NBA team needs. Um, he can just lock. Kate Cunningham into the top of my draft board. I assume yours, and I assume Rich's. Yeah, um, yeah. Order. Don't want to speak for Rich, but yeah, I, it would not surprise me. Uh, Cade seems to be the top guy. Uh, the one other uh, trade that I, I somehow missed in the chat was Aaron Gordon for for Buddy, which is a very popular one um, in my mind. If if Orlando wanted to move on from Aaron Gordon, I, I think they would have by now. I, I think there are definitely people that are interested. Um, and honestly, I just don't think that Buddy Heald brings you back a player the level of Aaron Gordon. I agree, but I would do that trade very quickly. Yes, yes, yeah. I am very much with you. Yeah, I, I think yeah. he you know, would be a, a fun Bagley fit if you're still looking for that, and if you're tra- you're talking a transition offense, come on. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, you're trading a – three-point champion for a dunk champion. I mean, you still, both teams are still enjoying All-Star Weekend, you know what I mean? Yeah, very much. <laughs> Aaron Gordon would be uh, a lot of fun with uh, Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox. Just yeah. imagine the alley-oops. Exactly, exactly. But, yes, again, uh, yeah, I don't know why I feel I need to keep apologizing for diving deep into trades, but I don't know what else we were supposed to talk but, about right now. Uh, I don't think anybody wanted us to sit here and talk for an hour and 15 minutes on how depressing that game was on yeah. last night. So No. At some point, I, I, I want to see more of a sample um, of Fox's play this year because I had seen people saying that they were uh, disappointed in his play so far this year, and I was I was actually surprised by that. But when I yeah. uh, dug into the numbers, I, I kind of understand, it, and I think that um, just just briefly – that the issue is just there's a lot of these long mid-ranges right now. I think there was only about, like, 15 of them on the year. They're only a couple of feet in from the three-point line. Um, and I don't know how much of it is due to these two bigs. I actually think it's less than I originally thought that it was. Um, but, you know, um, I, I did watch them individually. I'm going to have to see them more in the context of the game because there's been plenty of moments where the team just cannot score. And I think that 
in my mind, it seems that Fox is kind of taking more of a responsibility there and um, going to have to get someone to ask, ask Fox this at some point. But it, it would not surprise me if, Fo- like, Fox can get that mid-range shot whenever he wants. If he gets those guys backpedaling, he can get that whenever he wants. And he's actually a pretty good mid-range shooter. I get that it's, like, an unideal shot, and uh, people get, like, crucified for even considering a mid-range shot right now. But, like, Fox can get a clean mid-range shot whenever he wants, and he's a pretty good mid-range shooter, um, and the team is lacking creators. Um, so it, it doesn't surprise me, and that paired with the two-big lineup that his shot selection is not great, but I, I have seen, in my mind, an improve in his handle. I think he's more patient in the pick-and-roll, um, but definitely need to see more before we, like, fully dive into that and maybe make an episode out of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's all that I got here, Bryant. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. Uh, I appreciate uh, getting to fill in for our buddy Rich, and uh, hopefully the next time we talk, it'll be about a more uh, competitive, fun game because it does not escape me that the moment that uh, Rich had to uh, step away from this podcast, the Kings suddenly tanked. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yeah, uh, next game comes up against the Chicago Bulls, actually the morning that this will be released. Um, And, and yeah, that that should be a game that Sacramento should definitely be competitive in, but they should have been competitive against the Golden State Warriors as well. Um, Yeah, so, again, um, we are the the official podcast of the Kings subreddit and always have something sticky to the top of that thread. You'll see the latest episode there, and you can – uh, give your thoughts on any of these trades. You can throw us trades, throw us any sort of questions that you'd like to hear us talking about um, later in, in future episodes or anything like this. Um, and yeah, if there's great coverage always going on at the Kings Herald, and you can support them by checking out the Patreon. Uh, great local independent Kings coverage there. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Full Spot, Please subscribe, rate, and review, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days here.